0: section 38 of the broad highway this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org read by ellen preckel the broad highway by geoffrey farnon chapter 33 in which i fall from folly into madness it was with some little trepidation that i descended into the hollow and walked along beside the brook for soon i should meet charmian and the memory of our parting and the thought of this meeting had been in my mind all day long. She would not be expecting me yet, for I was much before my usual time, wherefore I walked on slowly beside the brook, deliberating on what I should say to her, until I came to that large stone where I had sat dreaming, the night when she had stood in the moonlight, and first bidden me in to supper. And now, sinking upon this stone, I set my elbows upon my knees and my chin in my hands, and fixing my eyes upon the ever-moving waters of the brook, fell into a profound meditation from this i was suddenly aroused by the clink of iron and the snort of a horse wondering i lifted my eyes but the bushes were very dense and i could see nothing but in a little borne upon the gentle wind came the sound of a voice low and soft and very sweet whose rich tones there was no mistaking followed almost immediately by another deeper gruffer the voice of a man with a bound i was upon my feet and had somehow crossed the brook but even so i was too late There was the crack of a whip followed by the muffled thud of a horse's hoofs, which died quickly away and was lost in the stir of leaves i ground my teeth and cursed that fate which seemed determined that i should not meet this man face to face this man whose back i had seen but once a broad-shouldered back clad in a blue coat i stood where i was dumb and rigid staring straight before me and once again a tremor passed over me that came and went growing stronger and stronger and once again in my head was the thud 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 of the hammer in scarlet town where i was born there was a fair maid dwellin made every youth cry well away her name was barbara allen she was approaching by that leafy path that wound its way along beside the brook and there came upon me a physical nausea and ever the thud of the hammer grew more maddening all in the merry month of May, when green buds they were swelling, young Jemmy Grove on his deathbed lay for love of Barbara Allen. Now, as she ended the verse, she came out into the open and saw me, and seeing me, looked deliberately over my head and went on singing while I stood shivering. So slowly, slowly raised she up, and slowly she came nigh him. "'And when she drew the curtain by, "'Young man, I think you're dying.' "'And suddenly the trees and bushes swung giddily round the grass swayed beneath my feet, "'and Charmion was beside me with her arm about my shoulders. "'But I pushed her from me and leaned against a tree nearby "'and hearkened to the hammer in my brain. "'Why, Peter,' said she, "'Oh, Peter!' "'Please, Charmian said I, speaking between the hammer strokes, "'do not touch me again. It is too soon after.' "'What do you mean, Peter? What do you mean?' he has been with you again what do you mean she cried i know of his visits if he was the same as last time in a blue coat no don't don't touch me but she had sprung upon me and caught me by the arms and shook me in a grip so strong that giddy as i was i reeled and staggered like a drunken man and still her voice hissed what do you mean and her voice and hands and eyes were strangely compelling i mean i answered in a low, even voice like one in a trance, that you are a Messalina, a Julia, a Joan of Naples, beautiful as they and as wanton. Now at the word she cried out and struck me twice across the face, blows that burnt and stung. Beast! she cried. Liar! Oh, that I had the strength to grind you into the earth beneath my foot! Oh, you poor, blind, self-deluding fool! And she laughed, and her laughter stung me most of all as i look at you she went on the laugh still curling her lip you stand there what you are a beaten hound this is my last look and i shall always remember you as i see you now scarlet-cheeked shame-faced, a beaten hound and speaking she shook her hand at me and turned upon her heel but with that word and in that instant the old old demon leapt up within me and as he leapt i clasped my arms about her and caught her up and crushed her close and high against my breast go said i go no no not yet and now as her eyes met mine i felt her tremble yet she strove to hide her fear and heaped me with bitter scorn but i only shook my head and smiled and now she struggled to break my clasp fiercely desperately her long hair burst its fastenings and enveloped us both in its rippling splendour she beat my face she wound her fingers in my hair but my lips smiled on for the hammer in my brain had deadened all else and presently she lay still. I felt her body relax and grow suddenly pliable and soft. Her head fell back across my arm, and as she lay, I saw the tears of her helplessness ooze out beneath her drooping lashes. But still I smiled. So, with her long hair trailing over me, I bore her to the cottage. Closing the door behind me with my foot, I crossed to the room and set her down upon the bed. She lay very still, but her bosom heaved tumultuously, and the tears still crept from beneath her lashes but in a while she opened her eyes and looked at me, and shivered, and crouched farther from me among the pillows. Why did you lie to me, Charmian? Why did you lie to me? She did not answer, only she watched me as one might watch some relentless oncoming peril. I asked you once if you ever saw men hereabouts, when I was away, do you remember? You told me no, and while you spoke I knew you lied, for I had seen him standing among the leaves, waiting and watching for you, I once asked you if you were ever lonely when I was away, and you answered no. You were too busy, seldom went beyond the hollow, do you remember? And yet you had brought him here, here into the cottage. He had looked at my Virgil over your shoulder, do you remember? You played the spy, she whispered with trembling lips, yet with eyes still fierce and scornful. You know I did not. Had I seen him, I should have killed him, because I loved you. I had set up an altar to you in my heart, Where my soul might worship poor fool that i was i loved you with every breath i drew i think i must have shown you something of this from time to time for you are very clever and you may have laughed over it together you and he and lately i have seen my altar foully desecrated shattered and utterly destroyed and with it your sweet womanhood dragged in the mire and yet i loved you still can you imagine i wonder the agony of it the haunting horrors of imagination the bitter days, the sleepless nights, to see you so beautiful, so glorious, and know you so base. Indeed, I think it came near driving me mad. It has sent me out into the night. I have held out my arms for the lightning to blast me. I have wished myself a thousand deaths, if Black George had but struck a little harder, or a little lighter. I am not the man I was before he thrashed me. My head grows confused and clouded at times. Would to God I were dead! But now you would go?" Having killed my heart, broken my life, driven away all peace of mind, you would leave me. No, Charmian, I swear, by God, you shall not go yet a while. I have bought you very dear, bought you with my bitter agony, and by all the blasting torments I have suffered. Now as I ended she sprang from the bed and faced me, but meeting my look she shrank a little and drew her long hair about her like a mantle, then sought with trembling hands to hold me off. Peter, be sane.' Oh, peter be merciful and let me go give me time let me explain my books said i have taught me that the more beautiful a woman's face the more guileful is her heart and your face is wonderfully beautiful and as for your heart you lied to me before i oh peter i am not the poor creature you think me were you the proudest lady in the land you have deceived me and mocked me and lied to me so saying i reached out and seized her by each rounded arm and slowly drew her closer and now she strove no more against me only in her face was bitter scorn and an anger that cast out fear i hate you despise you she whispered i hate you more than any man was ever hated inch by inch i drew her to me until she stood close within the circle of my arms and i think i love you more than any woman was ever loved said i for the glorious beauty of your strong sweet body for the temptation of your eyes, for the red lure of your lips. And so I stooped and kissed her full on the mouth. She lay soft and warm in my embrace, all unresisting, only she shivered beneath my kiss and a great sob rent her bosom. And I also think, said I, that because of the perfidy of your heart I hate you as much as you do me, as much as ever woman, dead or living, was hated by man, and shall, for ever. And while I spoke, I loosed her and turned, and strode swiftly out and away from the cottage chapter thirty four in which i find peace and joy and an abiding sorrow i hurried on looking neither to right nor left seeing only the face of charmian now fearful and appealing now blazing with scorn and coming to the brook i sat down and thought upon her marvellous beauty of the firm roundness of the arms that my fingers had so lately pressed anon i started up again and plunged knee-deep through the brook and strode on and on bursting my way through bramble and briar heedless of their petty stings till at last i was clear of them being now among trees and here where the shadow was deepest i came upon a lurking figure a figure i recognized a figure there was no mistaking in which i should have known in a thousand a shortish broad-shouldered man clad in a blue coat who stood with his back towards me looking down into the hollow in the attitude of one who waits for what for whom he was cut off from me by a solitary bush a bramble that seemed to have strayed from its kind and lost itself and running upon my toes i cleared this bush at a bound and before the fellow had realized my presence i had pinned him by the collar damn you show your face i cried and swung him round so fiercely that he staggered and his hat fell off then as i saw i clasped my head between my hands and fell back staring a grizzled man with an honest open face a middle-aged man whose homely features were lighted by a pair of kindly blue eyes just now round with astonishment lord mr peter he exclaimed adam i groaned oh god forgive me it's adam lord mr peter said he again you sure gave me a turn what's the matter with you sir come mr peter never stare so wild like come sir what is it tell me quick said i catching his hand in mine "'You have been here many times before of late?' "'Why, yes, Mr. Peter, but—' "'Quick,' said I, on one occasion, "'she took you into the cottage yonder and showed you a book. "'You looked at it over her shoulder?' "'Yes, sir. But what sort of book was it?' "'An old book, sir, with the cover broken. With well, your name writ down inside of it. "'Twas that way she found out who you was. "'Oh, Adam!' I cried. "'Oh, Adam, now may God help me!' "'And dropping his hand, I turned and ran until I reached the cottage. "'But it was empty.' charmian was gone in a fever of haste i sought her along the brook among the bushes and trees even along the road and as i sought night fell and in the shadows was black despair i searched the hollow from end to end calling upon her name but no sound reached me save the hoot of an owl and the far-off dismal cry of a corn crag. with some faint hope that she might have returned to the cottage i hastened thither but finding it dark and desolate i gave way to my despair oh blind self-deceiving fool she had said that and she was right as usual she had called me an egoist i was an egoist a pedant a blind self-deceiving fool who had wilfully destroyed all hopes of a happiness the very thought of which had so often set me trembling and now she had left me was gone the world my world was a void its emptiness terrified me how could i live without charmian the woman whose image was ever before my eyes whose soft low voice was ever in my ears. And I had thought so much to please her. I, who had set my thoughts to guard my tongue, lest by word or look I might offend her. And this was the end of it. Sitting down at the table I leaned my head there, pressing my forehead against the hard wood, and remained thus a great while. At last, because it was very dark, I found and lighted a candle, and came and stood beside her bed. Very white and trim it looked, yet I was glad to see its smoothness rumpled where I had laid her down, and to see the depression in the pillow that her head had made. And while I stood there, up to me stole a perfume very faint, like the breath of violets in a wood at evening time, wherefore I sank down upon my knees beside the bed. And now the full knowledge of my madness rushed upon me in an overwhelming flood, but with misery was a great and mighty joy, for now I knew her worthy of all respect and honor and worship, for her intellect, for her proud virtue, for her spotless purity, and thus with joy came remorse, and with remorse an abiding sorrow. And gradually my arms crept about the pillow where her head had so often rested, wherefore I kissed it, and laid my head upon it, and sighed, and so fell into a troubled sleep. End of In Which I Find Peace, and Joy, and an Abiding Sorrow